Church, I greet you this morning in the name of Jesus. I can greet you by no greater name than the name of Jesus. Because it is in his name that we find value. It is in in his name where we find our identity. If your identity is in question, you need to connect to the living God through Christ Jesus and your identity will be solidified. You will find yourself when you have thought you were lost because the enemy will come and say, things that are happening around you, it is because you are lost. You have no purpose. You have uh, no life. And you find uh, people committing suicide simply because they have been conditioned through circumstances that happen around them and begin to think that their life adds no value to those that they are around or even in their own selves. But I find that there is great value in the Word of God. But I find that there is a sticking point that has been troublesome to me for I believe the rest of my salvation years that have passed until about a month ago when I found an answer to the reality of what the scripture says. Sometimes you can hear what people say and believe what they are saying, what they are saying, but until you read it for yourself and don't read the one verse read the whole context, then you can understand in context rather than understanding selectively to suit the narrative. The word of God is very clear when we are being given um, in, uh, in, uh, in Exodus, when we are being given the covenant of uh, of, of the lamb that will be sacrificed. That in that lamb, you had to eat everything. And in eating everything, the implication is that you and I, as a believer, we cannot be selective in what we want to read or what we want to believe. If you want to believe, you've got to believe the Bible in its totality. Even if it doesn't suit your moment, believe what the Bible says. Because in due course, you will find an answer to that. Amen? Amen. And so let us pray. Precious Holy Spirit, we want to thank you this morning once again that we can stand in the congregation amongst the brethren. That Father God, we can listen to your spirit. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would open our understanding, that even as we open our mouth, O God, wisdom will come. Because, Lord, without the aid of the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing much of value. We cannot add anything to the life of your people if we take your word out of context. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom this morning both to hear and then to speak. For I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I will tell you my dilemma. My dilemma was found in several quotations in Scripture. And I see it's been repeated many times. God sends Isaiah to the Jewish people. It comes at a time, it's in Isaiah chapter 6, at a time when King Uzziah died. I've heard many, many preachings on the death of Uzziah. But when I read the instruction to Uzziah, God saying to Isaiah, go to, it says, go to this people. 
not to these, to this people. This meaning one, and yet people meaning the whole nation. It comes at a time when the man that had been entrusted to provide a leadership in Israel had gotten himself into a bit of a quandary. Second Chronicles 26 says Uzziah ruled and he ruled with integrity. And then there came a time when he became, it, it says he had many vineyards. He had many possessions, in other words. He was successful. He became uh, wealthy. And then uh, the scripture tells us that uh, he, then uh, he decided to go into the temple. And he began then to act as a priest. In other words, uh, he transgressed. He went beyond God's call on his life. And a priest will come around him and say, Uzziah, what you are doing is wrong. That is, this is not your jurisdiction. This is not your responsibility. That is our responsibility to minister the things of God in the house of God. And it says, and Uzziah was wroth with a priest. And while his anger rose because he felt he was beyond the, uh, he was beyond teachability. He had become too important in his own eyes. It says, as his anger rose against the priest, his forehead became leprous. It says God struck him with leprosy. And I find when we come to Isaiah chapter 6, I find that there was a transition that was about to take place in the context of the nation of Israel. Because God sends Isaiah and he says, go to those people. Let's just read it. Isaiah 6. And on the face of it, you think, why bother then to send, send a, a, a man whom when you asked and you said, uh, 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 when, uh, when God said, uh, who shall go for us? And God uh, says, uh, uh, and then Isaiah asks, God asks, uh, who will go for us? And Isaiah answers and he says, Jeremiah, send me. And yea, it was the same man in the beginning of the conversation. He found himself so unworthy that he had to declare and he says, Woe is me for I am undone. In other words, I have been discovered and I find myself naked and I am ashamed of myself. It wasn't naked in the natural he just simply says, I am so below par to the task that lies ahead of me. For it is I that I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his glory filled the temple. He says, why was I selected to see such beauty, to see such glory? For I am a man of unclean lips. And I live amongst the debauchery. The things that are around me do not seem conducive for the glory of God to come into this place. It says, woe with me. For I am unqualified to see such things. Oh, sometimes I cry to God and say, Lord, I am in exactly the same position as Isaiah finds himself in. Would you send your angels to touch my lips 
But then I see when Isaiah got touched in his lips, he wasn't sent to a messenger that will make everybody rise up and sing glory, hallelujah. It was a message that would seem depressing. Verse 9. It says, go and tell this people, hear indeed, but understand not. And see indeed, but perceive not. Verse 10. It says, make the heart of those people fat and make their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Isaiah was so struck with the message that he says, then I said, Lord, how long? How long? He was a man that loved his nation. He loved uh, uh, serving under his uh, cousin Uzziah. In the book of Kings, is called Azariah. He loved him. It's his family. And then he hears this message. The message that you are going to preach is not going to be heard because these people's ears have gone hard. They have turned from God. They come to the temple and pay me lip service, but their heart is far from me. Isaiah says, how long? And the answer was, until the cities be wasted without inhabitants and the house without man. So it was a message that God was saying, I am ready to deal with my house. And if my house does not know, if you read Isaiah chapter 1, it says that for even the cows knows their pen. They know their masters. The donkeys know how to answer. But the children of Israel had forgotten how to answer to God. It was a time of battle. And I find that we find ourselves in the same time of tussle in our own lives today. It has been highlighted by the coronavirus that is decimating the earth. It is, uh, pla- it is uh, 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 placing man against man. Each one is coming with their own ideology simply because no man knows how to deal with this. But the reality is, uh, if the church shuts its mouth uh, from saying to you and I, it is time to return to God, uh, for it is only God that, that, that can heal our land. It is no scientist that can do this. I'm telling you, the best medicines upon the earth, they are not going to get rid of coronavirus. It is God who is not blind by this thing. He, it is not that he does not know. Excuse me. He does not know how to deal with this. But he's waiting for his church to learn how to deal with this. Go to Acts 28. There are consequences to unbelief. There are consequences to unbelief. Paul is on a journey. And he won't believe the amount of trouble he finds himself on this journey. He is a prisoner. 
is being sent to Rome to answer some of the things that he's been accused of for simply spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. He sent to Rome. Verse 16, it says, And when he came to Rome, the centurion delivered him to the prisoner, to the captain of the guard. But Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier that kept him. And it came to pass that after three days, Paul called to the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said to them, Men and brothers, Though I have committed nothing against the people, our customs or our fathers, yet have I been delivered a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, would have let me go because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had anything that I was accused of by my nation, that I should answer to. But strategically maneuvered by the Spirit of God, because Paul had committed his life to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. He would say, it doesn't matter how the gospel of Jesus Christ it is preached. For some will preach it out of jealousy. Some will preach it out of strife. Some will preach it out of strife. But the reality, he says, the gospel must be preached. He finds himself a prisoner. He says, even though I am in chains, but the gospel is not in chains. To every person that was his God, salvation was made available to that person. He did not hate on those that brought him to prison. He did not even hate on his own Jewish people. If you will read Romans 11, you will find the reason why you should never as a believer Boast yourself against the Jew. Paul explains it beautifully. But we're not dealing about that here today. Verse 20 says, For this cause therefore have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound in these chains. You know, talk about a man that lacks bitterness. They're the ones that uh, caused him all the trouble that he found himself in. His old fellow countrymen, they put him to the slaughter and yet he would not have an ounce of bitterness in him. He says, I am in chains uh, for their sake, for their salvation, for in my uh, chains uh, the gospel must be preached. Uh, and I target them because uh, they need to be enlightened, because uh, they have been bound in darkness uh, and find themselves rebelling against the one who is sent uh, to set them at liberty but they have allowed the gospel of Jesus Christ to be brought to naught because of unbelief. Verse 21. It says, And they said to him, We neither receive letters out of Judea concerning you, neither any of the brethren that came spoke any harm about you. So it was a localized problem that put Paul through so much of strife. We see it in the negative when we say he was put through a whole lot of strife. But in the positive for those that would be in Rome, because to them, salvation was brought to their doorsteps. You see, we can read things, and does it, it matters much how you receive, how you perceive. 
for that scripture must then be repeated. There's a whole thing that uh, goes with that, but I want to get to where we need to be going. And, uh, okay, no, I have to read it. It says, and when they had appointed him a day, in other words, they made an appointment that we need to have a discussion. It says, there came many to him, to his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning until the evening. Paul was patient. Then let's just carry on. Verse 24 becomes critical. And some believed the things which were spoken and some did not believe. And when they had agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word. When he said, what was said to Isaiah? Paul repeats it. When he said, the Holy Ghost spoke well concerning you. For Isaiah the prophet said to our fathers, Go unto those people and say, Hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and not perceive. For your heart, the heart of those people, is wax grossed, and their ears are dull of hearing. And as I said, I grapple with this portion of Scripture for many years. Saying, Lord, why wouldn't you just grant them uh, uh, salvation? Why would you say they will hear but not hear, they will see but not see? And it was uh, maybe about three weeks ago that I found in my spirit that there are those that, that will hear selectively. They hear what they want to hear and reject what they don't understand at that time. Because in your lack of understanding at that time could prove so fundamental in your progression in life. I have seen many people circumventing their future simply because they do not want to believe what a word of God. They bring their own narrative to the table and so convincing they are that many have fallen by the wayside and left off that good thing that was placed upon them when the Holy Spirit came upon them. The word of prophecy that was spoken to them has now fallen by the wayside rather than the, rather the narrative of man has become dominant. We are no longer led by the Spirit of God. We are led by what our friends say. And so it is in this context that I find myself at this moment in time why the church is empty. Because they do not believe that God is able to protect them. They don't believe that God is able to keep them safe. They tell you, I cannot go to church because I have this ailment, that ailment, and that ailment. And yes, I am afraid of catching coronavirus. But you will find them in every shopping center. You will find them in every party that is taking place. But this coronavirus is very selective. It only comes to church. It's resident nowhere else. And as I said last week, I wonder, where are you? You uh, allowed yourself to fall into a position of slumber. And in the meantime, the enemy has come and planted the tears. And now the tears are beginning to smother even the wheat, which is good for sustenance. It is the bread of life. And that bread of life is beginning to be smothered by the tears. And just now you're going to say you are so hungry, you'd rather go and try something somewhere else and the snare of the enemy becomes dominant over your life 
Do not play with God's salvation. Jesus died on the cross for you to receive salvation. Do not play and hide behind the things that God has said. Those things are under your foot. If we take it into context, you continue with uh, um, the book of Isaiah. You will see that God was preparing the people of Israel to be exiled. Wonder what it is like when God will send us out of his presence. And say, okay, you've been wanting to do that. Just go, uh, Judas. Judas said, go and fulfill all that which is in your heart. Just go on. Go on. Go and do it. It's in your heart, so go and do it. What is in our heart? What is in our heart? When we come into the presence of God, what is in our heart? Most of us sit in church with unforgiveness. We do a whole lot of things, but our hearts are full of unforgiveness. And yet, God has provided the perfect alibi for you and I. He has provided a vehicle through which we need to get past us here. And he showed us clearly at the cross. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. We saw in Stephen, he said the very same thing. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. But you and I believe we have the right to hold a grudge simply because X, Y, Z has done things to us. Ephesians chapter 6. Unforgiveness will hold you hostage. Did you hear me? Unforgiveness holds you hostage. Not the person you are hating on. In fact, they seem to prosper even more. They seem to continue in life while you are growing corns around your feet because you are stamping your feet in anger because they are, how can they prosper when they've wronged me so much? Each one of us, if you still have parents, you are a children. It says, children, verse 1, obey your parents. You might be 60 years of age today if your parents are still alive or they are dead. And I find it amazing how people still hate on people that are dead. And you think you're going to prosper. Your plans that God has for you will be frustrated because you are living in the past. You are not looking at your future. The future is based in your forgiving what has happened to you. You can't change what has happened to you. It's done. Okay. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment that has promise. 
that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Can you imagine having a long life full of misery simply because you won't let go of yesterday? I'll tell you why. When you have no plan for tomorrow, it is easy to talk about yesterday. But once you learn how to plan for tomorrow, yesterday becomes insignificant. Not that it is, that doesn't, it's not of importance, but you can use your hardships of yesterday to build your future. We all have had struggles in life. If you haven't had, well, uh, God bless you. We come from that. We come from nothing. We come from uh, when uh, even uh, your daily bread wouldn't be there. I can't blame uh, those around me that uh, if they didn't have, uh, they didn't have. What was I supposed to do? What were they supposed to do? They told us, just fasten your belt a little. Tell that to a little child. Just fasten your belt a little. As I've said to you, for some reason or the other, the next day we would wake up to a hot pot of porridge. Where my grandmother would get those things from, I got no idea. Because you knew when you went to bed with an empty belly, there was nothing. But the next day, somehow, somehow, I, 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 to this day, I can't tell you where she found it. I'm sure even if we asked her, she wouldn't tell you where she would find that little bit of mealy meal to feed the whole family. Now, today, you will find that, that some will take that scenario and find reason why they should complain about it. But rather, I would rather build and say, that woman had faith. In the middle of the night, she would pray, and somehow the angels would deliver. I got no idea. I wouldn't even say the angels. Maybe I'm just saying it, you know, because where did she get it from? Because she was the one that said to me, Henry, you do not act like a beggar. I've said this here to you in the time past. That when people are ready to dish up in their home, or don't stay until they're ready to dish up, but when they do, you need to get out of there because you're not like a dog that is going to sit at their doorstep waiting for their food. And you think, you're saying this to a small child, but uh, that child is hungry. What are you expecting that child to do? But she was building a principle. It was a principle. I see it as a principle. Maybe then you might have thought it was cruel, but she was building a principle. And so she couldn't tell me that and then go now and become a beggar. She was never a beggar. I don't ever remember her begging anything. But what brings me to that position of learn to forgive? I heard in the week, I think it was Wednesday, having done all, stand. And I had to really just look at this here. What are they having done all? It is easy to stand and become immobile, but I understand that if I become immobile, then uh, it means uh, I have lost my mobility to move forward in the things of God or in the things that I believe I should be grabbing hold of. It doesn't mean that uh, I become arrested by my circumstances. It simply means I do that which is necessary to get me by. 
As I say, when we never had food, she would somehow find us something to help us to get by. And we will soon forget the hunger of yesterday because today we have something to satisfy us. But you understand that God was busy building character around us through those circumstances. I wouldn't be like some people that says, well, if God is so cruel to teach you a lesson out of having a hard life like that, then that God doesn't deserve to be called holy. That's your choice. I choose to see my benefits out of that teaching. It was hard at a time. Scripture tells us when punishment is being met to your bums, it's hard. You actually feel that they, uh, they hurt you. They, they hate you. But the reality is they are disciplining you. The Bible says uh, if you don't love your child, then you will not dust their backsides. Sometimes you need to learn to discipline your children. If they don't listen, a stick drives out foolishness. Oh, now we're being told by our, the governments of the world, oh, you are abusing your children. Why? That's why they're busy building jails. They are hiring multiples of police because we failed in our duty as parents to discipline our children, to teach them how to obey. Yesterday I went to eight, uh, uh, yesterday, yes, I went to Eightfall, and here in Washbank I picked up a lady. And we're having conversation. Telling me about the struggles she's going through. She says, I was so excited for my son. At the age of 18, I made all plans to give him a party for his 18th birthday. She says, but the morning of the, uh, of the party, I smelled this thing here wafting around the, 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 the house. And as I go around the house, there's my son busy smoking dacha. Oh, it's legal now. He's struggling in school. His future is compromised. I said, what did he say to you? He told me to get over it. He's a grown man now. He can do as he please. I said, what does his father say? Now father is not around. Why? Because the government pays for the upkeep of the children. It's no more the fathers need to pay maintenance to their children. Oh no, that's no longer a priority. We can't win votes if we make the men to begin to take responsibility for their children. No, you can raise them everywhere or plant a seed everywhere. It just shows your manhood. For me, a man is a man when he can look after his children. Amen. Only then I can say you're a man. By showing me that uh, your, 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 your bow is full of quivers while you're playing no active part in their lives. She said to me, now he's 21. And he wants to quit. She says, but we don't have a rehab in this area. I said, no, he must go cold turkey. If he wants to change, he must Decide to change. Amen. Oh no, now mommy must go and work again. Struggle to fix what she told you don't, don't do in the first place. You were told don't do that. It's going to ruin your life. And now you want mommy again to go and work and pay for your foolishness. Anyway, having done all to stand. 
And I looked at all the O's that we need to do. And I find one of the priorities is forgiveness. You have to learn to let go. Because when you let go, then the ideas of how to move forward become apparent. Hey, I, I admire people that have never had ill feelings towards others and seen the effects of holding a grudge. Oh, I envy you that you have never been bitter against somebody else. Because it is such a bondage. It blinds you even to your own future. Even those things uh, that God will place at your disposal. Because uh, when you are uh, uh, filled with uh, anger, even the approach to your work, you become rough with it. You don't pay attention. You know, I have to sometimes uh, take off with my workers. Because you cannot take my hammer. You just finish using, well, they don't use it anymore. But uh, when they do use a hammer and they throw it down, oh, my father, I can pull my hair. For me, that is abuse. That hammer, it might be made, made out of steel, but it is out of that hammer that, you, that I earn enough money to employ you. I appreciate everything. The nail, when it is bent, I take it and I straighten it because it costs me money. I can't discard it. I'm being responsible with that which God has placed in my hand. Not rough with my things. Because, well, my, the uh, question I always ask, are you so in a hurry to break that so I can spend money on buying something else? Or do you want to be careful with what you are given to use so that you can get a bonus at the end of the year? Which one do you want? Because the more money I spend on unnecessary things, the less I'm able to give you. The amount of tools that I lose on every job, I have to look under the cupboards because things get buried underneath there. And sometimes we just leave them in the cupboards and walk away. Sometimes you say, go and look in the cupboards. Make sure there's nothing left in there. And you go behind and you will find something there. Somehow, there's a time and a season when my boys just blank off. I don't know what happens. And so I have to learn to walk past that and not keep uh, uh, now, uh, if I don't speak to them, uh, I uh, keep pondering these things uh, and then I could begin to hate them or have ill feelings towards them. And so I find if I speak uh, uh, the, into that situation, we get past it, we walk in freedom and liberty that none of us is, there's no boss in my workplace. We all work together. All of us, we carry together. Why? We have a shared responsibility in making sure what we are building keeps us sustained, all of us. All of us. And so, um, verse 10 then of uh, Ephesians chapter 6. It says, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. You see, I find one of the wiles of the devil is to keep us angry. Because you extend so much energy in uh, the, your pet subjects of hatred that you have no time to see those things that, that must add value to your own life. Well, maybe I'm speaking to young people this morning. 
Maybe you haven't uh, had the rigors of life that will uh, extend to you. You have a right to hate. You know, they've done dastardly things against you. You have a right uh, to keep that grudge. No, you don't. Who benefits? Who gets arthritis in all that? Who gets gout? It's you, not the person you're hating on. So let it go. Sometimes uh, we hate on people. Oh, we say things because we want to make them guilty so that they must do things for us uh, to uh, make recompense, to, uh, uh, to pay us back for the wrong they've done. And I tell you, they are doing it also with a heavy heart. But if I extend forgiveness to them, if then they be willing to become a blessing to me, they are doing it out of a blessing, not a, oh, let me get rid of this rubbish. They will say, okay, and God bless you too. But with a heavy heart. But when I set you free, even if you say with a heavy heart, God will turn it for my good. Why? Because I have set you free. You prosper. I say, God bless you. I no more saying, mm, you know what you've done to me. You know I'm in this position because of what you've done. Let it go. Don't grind and whine about the things that you cannot fix. Has anger fixed anything? Anybody in here? That you are angry enough to fix things? Not yet. So let it go. Rather look for a solution. How to overcome that. And in the human body, you are not, uh, your body is not built uh, to keep all these things. Yeah. For the word of God says, uh, how is it possible out of one spring uh, that it can give sweet water and bitter water at the same time? Impossible. Go and try the springs. I know rains is no more so much that the mountains are full of Springs. But if you can find a spring, go and try it. See if you can drink the side of whatever pond you have and drink on that side. And if you'll find discrepancy in the taste of the water. It's all the same thing. I have yet to find bitter waters. Except God was sending a message to the children of Israel. When they went to a place called Marah, place of bitterness. But the bitterness was in them, not on the rock, not on the water. It was in them. And God was showing the bitterness in them. And he said, get rid of the bitterness in you because they were bitter against God. God who had taken them out of bondage. You know, he just took them out of bondage. And suddenly they're crying for the leeks and garlics of Egypt. And then they get bitter against Moses because he's leading them in a way that they've never been before. Ready to circumvent and short circuit their tomorrow. God has got so much for us if we will only look into tomorrow and say, Lord, I need you to guide me in the way that I must go. For I am created uniquely. I am unique. I am one mold. Even if you were a twin, you are still out of one mold, for they cannot be exactly the same. Yes, I have heard that uh, sometimes uh, they say things exactly the same time, the same way. But I am telling you, those people still have each one their own personality. So you are unique to God. You are very special to God. 
how you deal with the things that are around you. They are not a stumbling block in your life. They are stepping stones to elevation. It's how you see, how you see things, how you receive them into your heart. How you receive. For the word says, you will hear with your ears, but you will not hear. You will see with your eyes, but you will see. You will perceive nothing. Why? Because your heart has been hardened. That was a lesson that we draw today. Do not harden your heart. Let God be your judge. Because God judges all things. And in fact, he is your vindicator. He is your lawyer. Because he is our father. And there is no father that sets up his children to fail. God always sent the children of Israel out. Let your punishment be outside. Not on my land. Go, go. Go out there. <laughs> Get punished. When you repent, I'll bring you back. I will bring you back. Listen, you must read uh, Romans 11. Speaks about being grafted in. Yeah, go and read it. I just want to give you that pleasure of uncovering the extent of God's forgiveness. How the branch got cut off so that it needed to make room for you to be grafted in. And Paul in, uh, uh, um, uh, in uh, um, Acts 28, he said to the Jews, because of all your unbelief, I am leaving you to yourself. I am going to concentrate on the Gentiles because the Gentiles are going to receive the word of God. Moving yourself from a privileged position simply because you have turned from God and you become a loser. But God says, even in that, when they repent, Oh boy, I will receive them to myself. And I dare say that is extended to all of us. The Jew is just a case study of how God deals with each and every one of us. There is not one man, woman, or child that is beyond God. You might see somebody and say, this one is beyond repairs. He's gone too bad. His heart has got such a dirty heart. I've seen people that in the past were saying they've got dirty hearts. And today they are preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God changes hearts. But God needs you and I to be the carriers of that grace. Make it available to whosoever, especially to the hard nuts. Present Christ. Present him well. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you.